Ah, okay, this is the example I really wanted to work on because this has come up a few times in the group. I'm sure everyone's seen it. Like, someone's been like, I'm doing everything. And the key thing is, I am in a deficit, but I'm not losing weight. Now, if you're in a deficit over time, by its very nature, you will lose weight. Like, that is the simplest part of fat loss is that energy balancing. There's nothing you can do about that. Like, that, that is the fundamental. But what you're really saying is, I'm trying as hard as I can, but I'm not losing weight. Or I'm trying to maintain this deficit, and I think I'm ticking all the boxes, but for some reason, I'm not losing weight. Now, if you've already covered that, okay, it's been three to four weeks of consistency, which it never has been, but if it has, and you can honestly say you've been consistently in a deficit for that period of time, then you need to say, right, what changes can I make to make, if weight loss is the goal, to lose weight? And that's sort of moving up the pyramid, like you're accepting where you are. And I think this is key because it's so tempting for me as like a coach to be like, well, you're not, end of, and now let's look at something to change. But it takes a bit of coaching because you might be like, well, I do track everything on my fitness pal, which yeah. is ridiculously hard to do, sure. to track accurately. And like your fruit salad is actually some cheese. Like, you know, there's, that's, that's like an obvious, like a, a really big example, but even things like portion sizes can add up. And the fact that we were talking about TDE at the start, so yeah. what, what people don't understand is that energy balance is a balance, so if you affect one side, you will affect the other side. If you start eating less, your body will want to move less. And it makes other adaptations like redu reducing your basal metabolic rate. When you lose weight, you also will reduce that metabolic rate, so your expenditure will go down as the other side um, goes down as well because your body is trying to store as much calories as it can and like preserve this yeah and, and when, our, when you're grumpier your willpower is less as well because when you're more negative you tend to mm. you know it's a lot harder to resist naughty things so mm. and it like it is hard it does seem like oh everything's weighed up against us because we have very strong like evolutionary primal instincts not to get to a place of starving but we don't have very strong primal instincts not to get overweight. So our whole like, biology is set up to store energy. So if you do start reducing calories, there's loads of things that come into play. Your hunger levels go up, um, so your drive to heat, eat is much bigger, and it will try and store as many calories as it can, so it will make you want to move less. And these things make, you know, they make a huge difference. So kind of accepting that, accepting where you are, but also accepting that if you were in deficit, you would lose weight. And I think once you know that, then you can be like, right, well, I'm in control of this because I can do that. What changes do I need to make here to do that? And it could be things that maybe you've heard don't matter, like how many meals you're having a day. Actually, it does matter because mm. there's more chance for error as well. If you're having, say, five meals a day and all of them are slightly over the portions, then if you're just having three. And yeah all these little things or behaviors like right okay after my last meal i don't eat that's the end of the day for me eating is like done there's a rule it's an arbitrary rule and do you know what if a mate asked you to go out and you had like a wine at night or like you had some nibbles like, it's not the end of the world because you understand why that rule works for you but it could be a good rule that's going to put you in place that's going to help you stick to that deficit and it's often little things like snacking that really add up because you're not accountable to them because you think oh, well, I didn't, I didn't even register eating that, so it doesn't really count on my... Like, yeah, or I a lot of people say, I eat healthy and I don't lose weight, as if, like, because like, you eat healthy food that it doesn't contain calories. Mm. 
that's a normal go-to with people. I'm eating healthily. Or the amount of people that, like, as a trainer, come, they'll list me their day of food. And, like, I don't want to be rude and interrupt, but, like, halfway through, I'm like, it, it doesn't matter. You're obviously, there's a reason. You're not in a deficit. I don't need to hear the list of foods you eat because also I can't see the portion sizes that you're making. And your food choices sound good, but you're obviously eating too much of them or you're not accounting for the other things that you're having as well. So, yeah, just being accepting that and then we've got really good tools now which yeah. I guess we're coming to come on yeah. to next yeah. action so the most important one is we're aware of what we're doing or not doing now we need to get some momentum and take action one of my favorite quotes knowing and not doing is the same as not knowing okay the amount of people that said you just need to be in a calorie deficit I know that well why aren't you doing it then or spending so much time absorbing books and the, like I've worked with a lot of clients and they've had, and from a business perspective and I've recommended two books to say I've read that I'm like why are we having this conversation because then two books changed my life and built paralysis my business paralysis by analysis isn't it yeah well it is yeah because it's this is the worst unfortunately this is the worst thing about 2019 that like, if, if I come here and go, ask me any general knowledge question in the world and I'll know it. I will, because I'll just Google it. The worst thing in the world, because you've got all the knowledge at your fingertips. Because you've got so much, you don't use it. Because it's just overwhelm. It's just information, information, information. And that's why people don't do. Because there's a, there's a real disconnect between absorption and application. And I mean, it doesn't help that in nutrition there's so much, like, crap out there as well. And sort of deciphering that that I guess because I've been in the industry for a while, like I, I can see through it so easy and I'm yeah. almost like, people must know this by now, like that's yeah, yeah. obviously not the case. But when I look into something that I don't know about and I have no examples in my head at the moment, but like maybe a car or some mechanics or whatever, knowing what, it, actually the perfect example is like Brexit. Like I don't know enough about it, so I don't know who to trust. And even if I do do my research, everything's biased like any diet book that you read is trying to sell you something that's yeah. why when anyone says to me oh can you recommend a diet book i'm like no because they all have an agenda and you're only hearing it from one person who's cherry picked the evidence and that's and it's so easy to get sucked in when yeah. i first started in nutrition i read a book it was a low carb book and it you know they they had loads of evidence loads of references so you think oh this is legit but they only show you one side and nobody's questioning them because they're writing it and I think that's something to be really careful of when you're reading information because all that's coming from one source. And yeah. even podcasts, like if especially one person's doing a podcast especially, yeah. no one ever questions them. You're so sucked into them for that hour that you're listening to them, they're in your, they're in your head, they're in your ears, and nobody has said to them, well, oh, why is that? Or do you think that's actually right? So, oh, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you question me? I'm a doctor, I'm a New York Times best-selling author. Exactly. Which is also the worst thing for, for a person who's written a nutrition book to have. Because that says that lots of people have bought the book and because they're a doctor they know something about nutrition. Which, especially in the UK, it's a very small part of actually being a doctor. So, action. This is your slide. It is. So, part of the reason that probably most of you have joined uh, Train with Jay is that you want to know where to focus your attention. Kind of what I was just saying about there's so much information out there. Where do I put my effort to get the most reward? And that's what I'm all about with training and nutrition. Like, 
like we're saying, it doesn't matter your meal timings. Don't stress yourself about eating six times a day. Don't stress yourself about trying to get in cardio if it doesn't fit in with your day. Where are you going to get the most from the effort that you put in? I call it toe dipping and boat burning, okay? Because there's two different types of people. You've got people go, that? and then you've got people who just go, and most people with their nutrition training want to jump in, but they're just not too sure if it's going to work. So they're like, oh, hang on a minute, I'm just going to try that new diet. Oh, it's working, yeah, cool. And what I'm hoping with Train With Jay is we're just getting you to jump in, because you're like, yep, this is the right thing, jump in. Um, and that, that's what actually hinders a lot of people from actually getting progress with something that might not be the best thing, because they're just not going hell for leather. Or they go hell for leather, but they realize that they can only do that for about two weeks before they're back to square one. And what's great is when you see someone who's doing the right things for them and they're going all in. Because what you see with our grenade for eight, people are like, oh, Jesus Christ. You know, every single eight weeks, it's like, because they've been given the nod, they've been given the right tools, and it's like, go. And that's a beautiful feeling for them because they're like, everything's working. And that obviously makes me very, very happy. Daffodils. <laughs> lots of daffodils. Now, I talk about lots of things when it comes to habits and compounding habits, etc., etc. Uh, does everyone know what I mean by one chapter a day, yeah? Okay, I've bored people to tears with my one chapter a day, so I thought I'd, I'd come up with a new one. So this is the, the daffodil principle, and it comes with a bit of a story. So I'm going to read this story. It's a, it's, it's a pretty long one, but it makes sense. Um, Several times my daughter had telephoned to say, Mother, you must come to see the daffodils before they are over. I wanted to go, but it was a two-hour drive from Laguna to Lake Arrowhead. I will come next Tuesday. I promised a little reluctantly on a third call. Next Tuesday dawned cold and raining. Still, I had promised, and reluctantly I drove there. When I finally walked into Carolyn's house, I was welcomed by the joyful sounds of happy children. I delightedly uh, hugged and greeted my grandchildren. Forgot... Sorry, forget the daffodils, Carolyn. This road is invisible in the clouds and fogs, and there is nothing in the world except you and these children that I want to see badly enough to drive another inch. My daughter smiled calmly and said, we drive in this all the time, Mother. Well, you won't get uh, me back on the road until it clears, and then I'm heading for home, I assured her. But first, we're going to see the daffodils. It's just a few blocks, Carolyn said. I'll drive. I'm used to this. Carolyn, I said surly. Please turn around. It's all right, mother. I promise you will never forgive yourself if you miss the experience. After about 20 minutes, we turned onto a small gravel road and I saw a small church. On the far side of the church, I saw a hand-lettered sign with an arrow that read, Daffodil Garden. We got out of the car, each took a child's hand, and I followed Carolyn down the path. Then, as we turned a corner, I looked up and gasped. Before me laid the most glorious sight. It looked as though someone had taken a great vat of gold and poured it all over the mountain peak and its surrounding slopes. The flowers were planted in majestic swirling patterns, great ribbons and swaths of deep orange, creamy white, lemon yellow, salmon pink and saffron and butter yellow. Each different color variety was planted in large groups so that it swirled and flowed like its own river with its own unique hue. There were five acres of flowers. Who did this? I asked Carolyn. Just one woman, Carolyn answered. She lives on the property. That's her home. Carolyn pointed to a well-kept A-frame house, small and modestly sitting in the midst of the glory. We walked up to the house. 
On the patio, we saw a poster. Answers to the questions I know you are asking, was the headline. The first answer was simple. 50,000 bulbs, it read. The second answer was one at a time by one woman, two hands, two feet, and one brain. And the third answer was began in 1958. So that's a long fucking story, so I apologize. But what I love about that is so many people, when they say that people get results or success, they're looking at a finished piece. People say to me, oh, Jamie, like, amazing physique. How long have you been training for? I'm like, 20 years. And they're like, oh, because they're, they're waiting for me to say, how long have you been training for? Six months, and you can do it too if you just do this. And it's that kind of tip of the iceberg thing. Anything that it takes your breath away that's amazing takes time. It takes a long time. And it all starts with just planting that one bowl, but doing it every single day. And that's where that kind of small consistency, you know, small consistency of doing things daily makes a big difference over a long period of time. You know, something that I noticed last year was my back had got wider. And I hadn't had a photo shoot for a year, so I was like, Jesus Christ. And I was looking back and said, I haven't really been training that hard this year with my back. And then I realized that last year, every time I go on my power walk, I do seven pull-ups. And it's weird because it says beginner, two, intermediate, four, advanced, seven. So it's kind of a little win to do seven pull-ups because I'm advanced and then I carry on with my walk. But I did 243 power walks last year, seven pull-ups. I weigh 90 kilos. So I worked out I'd done equivalent volume of a Boeing 747 jet through my back, which took about eight seconds a day. If I'd measured my back within a week or two weeks, do you think I would have seen that width? No. Because I could do something every single day, very quickly and consistently, within a year I was like, holy shit. Very much like the daffodil. And when I say one chapter a day, so many people get overwhelmed and I say, how many books you read this year? They're like, one. And it's because they're trying to get everything done at once. If I said, if you just read one chapter of a book a day, every day, you'd probably get 30 to 35 books read in a year. And those 30 to 35 books could change your life. All because you've committed 10 minutes a day to reading one chapter. And there's many different chapters that you can do with your life. It could be spend 10 minutes a day journaling your thoughts. Spend 10 minutes a day tracking on my fitness pal. Spend 10 minutes a day writing in your diary what you're grateful for at the end of the day. If you do it for a week, you might not notice too much, but if you reflect over a year of doing it consistently, you make a huge result. Over to you. Common mistakes. Um, well, yeah, we kind of touched on this just before we went into that story. Yeah. But yeah, also kind of procrastination is a, is a massive one. People yeah. just put things off. Um, I do really like the analogy of doing something every day and it like compounding over time. I think that's brilliant. And it's especially true for building muscle. So for women especially, but for anyone, building muscle is painfully slow. But the example of doing the pull-ups, like I think people try and think, can I cheat the system here by training harder? Probably not when it comes to resistance training. What you want to do is stimulate that muscle, then give it what it needs to grow, which is nutrition and time. And time is a huge factor. So if you're stimulating that muscle every day, 
but even only what would seem a little bit, that's the best way it's going to grow. And that's true for a lot of things that you're better. So another example is you are better if you're trying to learn a language to do 20 minutes a day rather than once every couple of days doing an hour because you're doing it consistently and you're getting your head around that. And your muscle works in a similar way that if it's frequently stimulated, it's better than doing... So doing, I don't know, I can't start the maths, but an equal amount of running each day is better than doing one massive long run on the weekend. Yeah, exactly. And um, I like this kind of equation by James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits. A 1% decline every day is not that much of a difference from the bottom line but 1% improvement every day sees massive compounded effects. And I think it's very much similar to my one chapter a day. If you don't read that many books, it's not gonna make that much difference. But if you read a chapter a day, 35 to 37 times the improvement of your knowledge if you're reading the right books. Um, and it's the same, you know, the reason it compounds so much is if you're doing something every day, you get better at it. If I'm bench pressing every day, I'm gonna be able to lift more weight, which means my strength's going to increase, which means my volume's going to increase, which means my muscle's going to increase. So sometimes it's like, then suddenly you get more proficient at something, you get better at something, and you get better results by that 1%. Because 1% of an amateur versus 1% of a professional is very, very different. Does that make sense? So that's why it compounds like that. And what I like about that is so many people focused on doing as much as possible instead of doing as little as possible. And we go into the gym, not necessarily to do the, as much as possible. What I say to people is that if you do things correctly, what we're trying to do is get in, get as quickly as possible the things that we need to do and then get out so we can enjoy life. And that's why I talk about form, full range of movement, everything else like that. Because why half-ass the gym when you could do it properly and spend less time in it and get results? Yeah, and your muscle doesn't care about your ego. Like, if you look at it from a more like sciencey point of view, again, like you are stimulating a muscle and you're telling it to grow. It doesn't really care that you've done 20 half reps of push-ups with crap form. It only knows that work has been done and it needs to be simulated. So you're better off doing five push-ups with good form or putting your knees down because then you can get full range of motion. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's easier. I mean, a lot of guys will not go to their knees to do push-ups. Mm. And I'm like... Mate, you can't even do one, but you can do 10 on your knees. So I take your ego out and do 10 good push-ups because that's going to be much better for you. Um, I think that's why a lot of people stall with pull-ups as well because they're like, oh, I can do two full ones. And I'm like, well, yeah. put a band on it and like, you're not going to hypertrophy from two pull-ups. You won't reach fatigue because other things are fatiguing first. So you need to use an assistance and that's absolutely fine. And yeah. Yeah, but then you look at this 1% improvement you do pull-ups every day with a band, what's going to happen? You're going to get better, the band's going to get lighter, you're going to stop using a band because you're continually getting better. Measurement. Well, self-explanatory again. What gets <laughs> measured gets managed. And we have amazing like tools for each of these now. So fat loss, you've got MyFitnessPal if you want to measure that. Activity, I think that one's huge. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so much, we talked about NEAT before, but one of the studies that sort of opened my mind to how big that could be, because I did, I was a bit skeptical about it. I was like, right, you reduce calories, and people would say, yeah, but sometimes people reduce their activity levels to the same extent as the calories. And I was thinking, 
what you're in a 500 calorie deficit and you you move 500 calories less like I don't really believe that's why it's not working but some pretty elegant studies in mice showed that the difference between weight loss in the mice was completely attributable to how much they moved so they're all on the same diet and as you know if I put you all on the same diet you'd all lose a different amount of weight and it was directly attributable to the amount that they adapted to that weight loss by moving less so it can be huge, but now that we've got Fitbits, it's so much easier to measure it and then be accountable to it. Um, performance, you have your performance in the gym, you've got the app, that MyPT Hub, that you can use to track all your performances in the gym. Mindset, like we were saying, it's a tool, again, this is harder, and I find it hard, and actually yeah. you showed me a really good app yesterday, but mindset changes so much, and because it's subjective, like really, it's probably our biggest goal, like we all want to be here to be happier, fitter, healthier, but they're all quite hard to accurately measure, which is why people get, again, get so caught up on the scales because, oh, that's a number and I can see it and it's very easy to understand what that means. Whereas mindset, like, do you feel happier today? I don't know, like, kind of. Yeah, I so mean, it's like anything, you know, it's, it's a skill that you can practice as long as you've got that self-awareness and acceptance of things. Something I say a lot is you don't learn anything from a perfect week, so, and also, unfortunately, when you've had the worst week in the world, one thing you don't want to do is write it down because you just want to get rid of it and, and focus on a more positive next week. But the very process, it's like anything, like you're using my fitness pal, you go out and drink, you have four or five glasses of wine and maybe a kebab afterwards. What don't you want to do with the hangover on a Sunday? Put it on my fitness pal because that's going to make you feel worse. But actually, that's the best thing you can do because you're self aware. You've accepted that you're human and five glasses of wine and kebab sometimes is amazing. But ignoring it doesn't change the fact that it happened. And just because you didn't put it in my fitness pad doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So actually that process of going, this is really annoying and I fucking hate doing this, but I'm aware and I know that feeling of, oh, might actually make me make better choices next time. Or give me a better strategy for the next week so I can maybe not go to that much extremes next time, because I learned from it, or reduce my calories down throughout the week instead of starving myself the next day. Yeah, that's a huge thing. So yeah. the days that are perfect and you hit your calorie target and your protein target, you don't really need to track them at all. Like, yeah, they're kind of fun to track because you can tick it off and be like, oh, that's great, look how many good days I've had. And actually it's motivational when you look back and you think, maybe you think, oh, I really want to go off my calories today, but you look back and you've done 30 days of really good and you think oh actually I'll stick to it because look how well I'm doing but it's the days that you go off that you don't want to track those are the only real days that you need to track yeah yeah and then it really opens up your mind to again that sort of misconception that I've been well six I've eaten well or to my calories six days a week I only had one night out it can't be that bad and then actually when you put it in you think oh god that's negated the whole deficit I've made in this week because alcohol has a lot of calories and kebabs have a lot of calories as well. And it's easier, it's easier done. It's much easier done than the effort you put in to create that deficit during the week anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. So this is an easy one. We're talking about um, measurement. And we're looking at nutrition training and mindset. And what I like to do is try to mark out five. At the end of the week, mark out five. Because then you know what you need to put more emphasis on the week after. You know, if nutrition's a five, just keep doing that. But if mindsets are one, we really want to we really want to nail down on that. And then if you're just you know that that takes a minute to do, you say to yourself, two, you know, one out, 
nutrition, how is my nutrition this week? If it was above a three, then you probably just need to keep doing what you're doing. If it's below a three, then we need to look at, we need to just, you know, peel the layers of the onion a little bit more. But also, there's different things that you can use. And you tend to find as well that when you're like a five on training and then you tend to be a five on nutrition because you want to fuel the workouts that you've done and they tend to come together. And then if you feel good about that, then your mindset tends to be higher. So it does, they all do interrelate as well. Yeah, so nutrition, obviously, if, you, if it's low or you should be doing it anyway, tracking my fitness pal training. Obviously, we've got your training programs on my PT hub, so you're going to know how many of them you did or did not do. Uh, mindset. So for me, I use um, something called Grid Diary. It sends me, I've got something on my calendar which reminds me at 7 p.m. to do my Grid Diary. And Grid Diary is basically you ask yourself questions. Um, I'll just go through mine. So comes up like that. And then it just asks me eight questions. It says, what did I do to improve my health today? Did I have fun today? If so, what was it? What did I learn today? What's the biggest thing I'm grateful for today? Who do you remember helping today? Did you get angry or triggered today? How did you deal with it? Um, how have you improved your wealth today? And what can you do better tomorrow? So that takes me five minutes and actually enables me to go, oh, I was really shit at that today. Um, but also makes me feel good at the end of the day where I go, yep, got 10,000 steps in, had a lot of fun, watched a lot of people suffer on Power Hour. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it can be quite funny as well, but also that is fun. So that's one I use, and there's another one called Yupa, um, and this is actually an, I, an AI bot. So it's like talking to an invisible person that knows a lot about you, which is quite cool. Um, you know, it's like, good afternoon, Jamie, how are you doing? You tell him exactly your emotions that you're experiencing, and then it gets down to the nitty gritty way and you're basically filling this AI with your problems and your positivity. Because when you're in a good mood, it's also good to, at the end of the day, every day, tell them, oh, I feel re really good today because of this, 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 this. Because what happens is when you feel bad and it knows more about you, it's like, oh, I've had a really shit day today. It goes, oh, well, last time you felt this shit, you did this, this, and this. Because it knows that that obviously solves it. And the more you put into that, the more it can give you that advice. Because you kind of forget sometimes those things that you did that actually made you feel good. But not if you're using this. And it's a free app, so that's, that's super. And just journaling. You know, just writing down literally nutrition training mindset one to five. Or just journaling your thoughts down for the day. Who here journals? Anyone? It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to start. But like any habit that has a positive impact, I, I've actually just done a YouTube video last week on it. Um, the easiest way to start a new habit is to challenge yourself to do it for 30 days without fail. You know, I, it took me 18 months to start doing cold showers because who the fuck wants to do cold showers? <laughs> but I said, right, I'm gonna do a month challenge. I'm gonna tell all the group on Train With Jay about it. And then I've held myself accountable to it a month. Did a month and I'm on week six now, I'm still doing them because I've seen a benefit from what it is that I'm doing. And I guarantee if you challenge yourself for 30 days to do something such as grid diary, such as UPA, or such as journaling, and you see a positive impact in your mood and well-being at the end of that month, it's going to be pretty easy to keep it up because it's doing something to you that's benefiting you.
So that's how I kind of work with mindset is there's lots of things you can do. People talk about meditation, people talk about this, that, and the other. But you don't need to do everything, you just need to do one or two. Mine is going for a walk, mine's my grid diary, sometimes Upa, and I'll probably do it twice, twice a week, which would be benefit, beneficial if I did it every single month. And just journaling. I've always got a notepad and pen with me. I've always used my notes. In fact, what's it? it's February now. So I create a new folder for notes. My 2019 one so far has, that's not bad, 106 notes. Yeah, so, I'm obsessed with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I've made it a lot easier. So just writing down your thoughts, it's one of the things that changed my life. You know, when I got made redundant in 2012, I'd never written a thing down. But I wrote down, what do you want to do with your life, Jamie? What makes you happy? And it turned out I wanted to do personal training. And it also turned out they completely changed my life and career. So just writing things down has a huge impact on you. And the final piece the of the pyramid. Of the pyramid. The peak of the pyramid is uh, management. Very wise philosopher called Ice Cube once said, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, and I think it's so important to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, if you're going up the pyramid and you get good at these things, you'll start achieving things. But unless you're managing and measuring things, they can go a little bit wrong. Um, I put my hands up and say that it can go very wrong you know, with things. 2016, I did lots of amazing things. I built a gym, wrote a book, broke a world record, all these things, but for, really didn't have a good relationship with my wife, broke up for like six months and realized that there were certain elements of success that was doing really well, but then I wasn't getting the balance with actually speaking to real people and people that I cared about. So my scale of that was just down there. And then I needed to tell people to fuck off to come back up. So there are certain things in different scales that you have in your life that could be really, really good and up there and in that balance section, but there's other things in your life that need work. And that's why it's good to look at one that we did before, health, wealth, productivity, connectivity. Okay, health, one of five, wealth, one of five, productivity, one of five, and the one that I was shit at, connectivity. So something that we've already covered, comparison is the thief of joy. Why did we say this for management? Um, because, I don't know. But it is. It is. Um, <laughs> and another example of sort of the grass is always greener is I often see, especially in things like Grenade Fit, actually, like, oh, so-and-so lost 10 kilograms. And, you know, not sort of being self-aware that you don't even have 10 kilograms of fat to lose, but yet you're still annoyed that they've lost that. And they will turn around and look at you and be like, if I could one day get into this person's shape, that would be my dream. But yet you're jealous of them and they're jealous of you. And yeah. But this, is, this of, also comes under the management thing as well, because, you know, you, you are, you're constantly measuring mm. what you're doing yourself. And most of that measurement comes from other people. But it's just like, you know, like for a person who hasn't got as many ingrained habits as I have, what I do is very easy. And if somebody else lived the life of me, they'd be quite exhausted if I'm being honest but I've gotten very used to it and accustomed to it um, so if you're comparing yourself and trying to manage what I do you might not be at a level to be able to do that if it was say fitness and, uh, and other things so I think that that's 
rare potentially. Yeah, and I, I mean, the group is amazing, but this is the only one thing that you could possibly like do wrong in the group is just try and like compare yourself to other people and not realize their life stresses, what they've got going on. Maybe not everyone has the same goal as well. And I think it's about, like everyone assumes that fat loss is the goal. But at some point, if you're any good at fat loss, so if you stick with training with Jay and you follow these principles and you work on this pyramid and yeah. you get things right, you will reach a point where fat loss is no longer the goal because you've lost the excess fat that you wanted to lose. And this is my, you know, where I see Train With Jay going is beyond just going to the gym lifting weights. I wanna have it as a whole kind of 360 lifestyle thing because you know that's nice, you know, nutrition and training, but for me as well, the mindset, motivation, having fun, challenging yourself, facing fears, doing all of these things that are gonna make your life better on top of nutrition and training. You know, a lot of the benefits that you get from nutrition and training is an improvement in self-esteem and self-worth which then improves your confidence, which then improves your success. So it's, that's, you know, to me, that's where, what I found from nutrition and training, because it is, nutrition and training is self-development. Mm. You know, you're tracking what you're doing food-wise, you're changing the way you feel about yourself, and the same with training, you're getting stronger, you're getting fitter, and that's where that happy, happiness, healthy, happier, healthier, fitter and stronger comes in. Um, and no one's real goal is fat loss. It's why do you want to lose that fat? Yeah. Because of the way maybe you want to feel in a bikini or confidence or maybe you want to be able to stay alive longer for your kids and enjoy a healthy yeah. lifestyle. Whatever it is. And often people use, I want to lose fat or I want to lose weight as almost a bit of a barrier because rightly so, you don't want to walk up to a personal trainer and be like, These, this is my real why. This is why I want to do this. Like your real why is quite personal to you. Yeah. So if you don't want to share it with someone that you don't feel like you know that well on the internet, that's absolutely fine. I wouldn't want to share it yeah. either. But as you get into the journey and you start sort of accomplishing your whys, then you open up a bit more. And it's yeah, and, and this is where I put this kind of scale on because we look at being overweight, okay? And this isn't like, like, this is just a random generalization because I want to take you there. Um, you're putting others before yourself you're very self-aware, you're very self, you know, you have potentially low self-esteem, et cetera, et cetera. So you decide to put yourself first. Decide to privatize your training, decide to privatize your nutrition, and then we're here, okay? But then, obviously, we need to put others first too, but then we need to look after ourselves, and this is the balance. But then what happens if we look after ourselves? We get really into our nutrition and training. We start competing. We start eating out of Tupperware. <laughs> we start wearing stringers. We start worrying that our arms didn't look as big this week as they do that, that week. We have no friends left. No one likes us anymore because we're always grumpy, apart from high carb day. Um, and we have huge self-esteem issues and self-confidence issues. You notice how kind of they're very similar to both ends of the spectrum. Who's seen a, who's seen a program called Super Size versus Super Skinny? Love that program because it's a person who is borderline anorexic and morbidly obese and they have the same kind of personality traits because one's too little, one's too much. And this can be done with lots of things because if you're here, what you need to do is stop being such a selfless, selfish bastard and start thinking of others. If you're here, you kind of want to start telling people to fuck off and start focusing on yourself. And this works with lots of other things. You know, I used to be 
kind of the other way around here to focusing on other people, not focusing on people that I love, then here, and then having to tell people to fuck off so I can come back here. And now I, I have great fun in helping people and telling people to fuck off. <laughs> so That scale, you can put anything on that scale because it's the degree in which you measure it. Your nutrition, your training, your mindset. Your nutrition, are you doing too little? Okay, are you not tracking, etc., etc.? Are you tracking every? Are you putting things on a scale, and getting the ketchup and doing that? Okay, you need to chill out a little bit, unless obviously you compete at a very high level, in which case, you know, mindset too little, too much. Okay, you're obsessing too much over things, or you not, you not prioritizing. And it's knowing where you are on different things to know where, which way you need to go. And that's the hard, that little circle is the hardest thing to do because we don't tend to notice that we're out of it until we're either there or we're there. Matt, do anything like that? I think a good point about being almost like too selfless and not giving enough time to yourself. And I think we see it all the time with women, especially mums who are like, oh, but I've got so much to do for everyone else and they don't make time for themselves is that sort of saying you can't pour from an empty vessel and that actually spending a bit of time on yourself and, and you know, fueling your body right, giving yourself some exercise, if that means you come home less stressed, um, happier in general, but it means you get maybe 20 minutes less time, yeah. then that's definitely a payoff worth doing. And yeah, I think people can feel that, oh, this is, a, this is something for me and I don't feel like I deserve it, but you do. So. Yeah, and I, I've seen this personally in family where you have a very selfless person who looks after others and puts them first until they're 70 and they need full-time care. And now a lot of their t other people's time is wasted because they haven't looked after themselves. So it's a balance kind of thing. Whereas if they just looked after themselves first, they probably wouldn't be as badly in a position of poor health and having to be looked after so much. And that's always... As we said, the wise philosopher, Ice Cube, check yourself before you wreck yourself. But even as well, just the quality of the time that you're with someone. Like, are you better to turn up half an hour late in a better mood or turn up on time, but you're stressed, you're angry, you're not happy in yourself, you don't have much confidence? You know, I would say a little bit late. <laughs> or just wake up earlier. Yeah. Yeah, it's always the answer. But sleep is important as well. It's, yeah. it's balance, isn't it? It's, it's the trade-offs. You know, that's, that's one of the hardest things about sleep. You know, like, yeah. it, it, it solves most of life's problems, but it's also one of the hardest things to get enough of, especially when you've got kids. You jump on your head. Any questions, hopefully, you have. We're going to do, what have we got? 15-minute Q&A now. So if there is any questions that you have about anything that we've just spoken about or even we haven't spoken about, Speak now or forever or hold your peace. Topics. Yeah. Let's go through. Should we do some nutrition topics first? Yeah. Yeah. Nutrition questions. Anybody? Before your session? No, I can't. No, I so you, you get up, 
you train and then you have your first meal after? Yeah, so I'm usually up about half by and then I won't eat breakfast until I get to work until half eight, nine. And how do you feel? Some mornings, um, no, I'm rather in the school And is no, I'm, I, I, is your evening meal big? Yeah. Um, I'd say probably three to four hundred calories. I'm one of those that likes to eat bigger meals. Yeah. Yeah. Like more often. So oh, I'm more often. Some like sort of I, some I say, you said to a lot of the gents is that they used to say, oh, I train really early in the morning, like five o'clock, and I'm like, well, what I would do is have a massive meal before you go to bed because mm. glycogen levels are well stocked you're probably going to have a really good workout in the morning because you're full still from that evening before. So that's a great strategy if you're training in the morning. Plus, you know, if you've had a good enough meal in the evening and you train, you're probably not that hungry afterwards. And I would say most things, are people trying to find like, you know, the, the right window and everything else like that, they're looking at something in a 24-hour period rather than a weekly and monthly and a six-monthly period. Because that's essentially what we're looking for. People say, oh, how much... You know how, how much protein should I have every you know every three or four hours and just like yeah but what's your protein intake if you if you hit that every single day consistently for weeks and months that's more important than making sure you get 25 versus 30 grams Do yeah you agree with that? yeah I would agree I, I actually did exactly that and I used to um, row when I was at uni so that's like an endurance sport and everyone would think you need to fuel that you need to get carbohydrates in, in the morning and we would always have our big erg sessions, so our big rowing sessions in the mornings, like hard endurance training. And I would never eat before because it was at 6 a.m. and I'm not going to get up an hour earlier to eat. And it, and it just didn't suit me to eat then. But people would be like, how have you managed to do that without eating? And I'm like, I've had a big meal the night before and then gone to bed. Where do you think all that glycogen has gone? It's sitting there. I've not used any of it yet. So I've got all that energy in my muscles. And if you feel fine doing that, and a lot of people say that they feel lightheaded. I've never felt that yeah. but if you're feeling like it's okay I wouldn't yeah. worry so from the protein standpoint you can argue that you need or in an ideal yeah. situation you'd get your 30 grams of protein at spaced out between the day at four meals a day a couple of hours in between each that would be the optimal for muscle protein synthesis but if that actually made any real world difference is debatable and if you could see any of that over time, you're talking about like years of doing that, might see a tiny increase in muscle mass. Yeah. But I mean, it's so small that it's never been able to be measured. So in theory, that is what would work best for muscle mass. Yeah. And if you miss one of those feedings after training, and I mean, I always normally say, try and get protein in an hour before or an hour after training, just to cover your bases. But really, it's not it's not really going to matter it's, it's grander scheme of things yeah kind of thinking like you know i came from a background of you know i used to have ev everything that was in the bro science monthly i had in my bag um five years well probably 2009 2010 so yeah but nine years ago jesus christ but i'd have dextrose tablets with me i'd have to make sure that i get my protein intake 25 minutes before like straight after the gym so i i'd have, like literally one time I didn't have it in my bag and I'm panicking, I'm running to the supermarket trying to find milk and add some bits to it, trying to hit that and, you know, and what's worse is you get results of it. You're like, Jesus Christ, and it's like, oh wow, that works. No, you're just really, really neurotic with your nutrition, which has caused you to get results. So I'm always thinking now of just those habits and routines and things like that. So 
think about less about the good things to do, but what affect the bad things. So if you're struggling with stuff, look there first rather than the stuff because it seems like you're looking for stuff after the gym, but you're going to the gym. So awesome. But then if you're struggling in the evenings, just have more food there. And if you're not hungry, don't eat. That's great. It's like, how do you feel? I'm not hungry. Fine. That's awesome. Why would you eat when you're not hungry? When, you know, you want the that food. Got, yeah. 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 And that's when it, it's perfect example of when yeah. you sort of lose that intuition of you're so used to dieting. And I think often at the start it's required and you've lost a huge amount of weight. And maybe at the start you weren't in tune with your hunger signals. Yeah, so, yeah. so you're like, right, I need to stick to a calorie target and I will eat to that. And that is going to tell me what to do. But now that you're more in tune with that, you're like, if I'm not hungry and I still want to lose body fat, why am I eating? So See, don't last, eat. Yeah, and if it's as long as it's not ridiculously low, I get. Yeah, you're fueling your workouts yeah. and and you're not re over restricting yourself, so it turns into that cycle of overindulgence. Yeah, and it's knowing your body. And like whenever I start, like whenever I start a fat loss diet, the first week or two weeks, I've got so many like I've got 500, 600 calories left for the day. I eat them because I, I, this is me because I know that this is just because I'm getting back into a routine and I'll, in three weeks time I'll be licking the plate clean and I'll be literally crying because I've te got 10 calories left. So that happens to a lot of people. So many people I see when they start dieting, oh, I can't eat this much food. I'm like, not yet, but you will do mm. when everything sort of ramps up, speeds up and you know, you actually become hungry. Um, but it is a brilliant point and I think one that it's sort of a journey that you go on, isn't it? That you maybe need to, at some point, be really anal with your tracking and then it yeah. changes. And, and ideally, like really, we don't want anyone to have to track long-term. No. The whole sort of like, the whole goal is this intuitive eating thing and whether that, you know, it's, it's sort of blown around. And yeah, sort of but I'd say like, it's taken, <laughs> taken yeah, it takes me. time, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, literally, I only stopped tracking macros in 2017. And it was weird, it was like, I did my first kind of fat loss intuitively. And what I mean by that is just like, don't drink on the weekends and move a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it was just like, oh, allowing yourself to give yourself permission to say you're good enough to, to do it and get, and once you get a result with it, you're like, oh, cool. I've actually got a result from this. Um, one thing that's interesting, however, though, is when I tracked, I, I intuitively ate for eight weeks and got in great shape. I tracked and I got in that shape in four weeks. So mm -hmm. it goes to show the difference and whether or not that difference matters is dependent on the person. Because if I needed to get in shape in four weeks, then of course I would track. But if I w just wanted a healthy body, I'd just then look at the things that are potentially causing my weak spots. Gin, um, McDonald's, sweet chili, crispy wraps. Um, and just making small chases. Sweet yeah. chili, grilled wraps. No drinking on a school night. Giving yourself these rules instead of getting my Excel spreadsheet out and counting my BMR manipulations. But I think one of the, the key things as well is you could eyeball something or you know off the top of your head how many calories are in that sweet chili wrap. Exactly. And at yeah. the end of the day, you could quite accurately say, I've had roughly this many calories. Yeah. Uh, Whereas if you're coming from a point of having never tracked before or never really looked at your nutrition, don't know portion sizes, you're sort of more in the position of, I eat healthy, why, why am I not losing weight? Yeah, and I've and got to say that you don't track, like I, I don't track anything, but I still know roughly how many calories I've had it's today. Same, that's the same with the exercise though, like 
when I was as big as I was, we'd go like all inclusive. We'd have a blowout meal, then we'd go for a walk on the beach and go, oh, we burn off dinner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like, yeah. And now it's like, oh my God, we haven't even burnt yeah. Trump. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You don't understand. But you've got no interest in it. You don't. No, but it's don't the same habits it. that you've told yourself, which are yeah. factual because that's what yeah. that's what you've said to yourself, and and you you see a lot of that. An interesting one I was going to say is that I was at King Cross Station. This was few, about probably about three years ago. I walked out, looked left, and saw always oh, an M and S. They have a really nice turkey and men, a mental cheese wrap. So I went it, sat down, and everyone had Mackey D's around them. I was like, where's that? Literally, I, I walked past. This, this giant golden arches for M&S and it's because my, in my head there's no pattern recognition with that logo which most people turn left and they see the sign and they're like oh Mackie D's it's different now because I would have gone for McDonald's but it's amazing how your brain gets conditioned with certain things you know I remember my mate coming around and I was just having breakfast I'm chatting to him and I put my scale down put my bowl on and he looks at me going do you, do you weigh your food and, and for me, putting the scale there and putting the bowl on was just like you lot brushing your teeth. It's something that doesn't register of like, oh, I've got to weigh. It's just, you know, drawer opens on, 100 grams on there, put it away. There is no thing. But that inbuilt habit that's been there for years that I never change has a positive impact because I'm measuring and managing my oats. And I think the point is that it becomes so much easier. Like, for example... I, I don't eat after my dinner. Like, after my last meal, I don't really eat. And I wouldn't, like, stick to it if there was a circumstance where I was going to eat. But I don't tend to do it. And it takes nothing from my willpower doing that because I've always, you know, it's just what I do now. And it, I don't even yeah. think about eating because I'm like, oh, well, it's, not, it's and, not a time of day that I would eat. And it's sort of the same with when you start doing that, though, you're like, oh, normally I'd have a biscuit right now or I'm watching TV and normally I'd eat something. And it's, yeah, it's really hard to start with. I had to physically, I used to sit on my sofa, which was like one of the chairs out there, which had a side and I could put the walkback coat and crispy chocolate. The kids couldn't see it because it was down the big arm. But when I decided that day that was it, I've never sat in that sofa. Obviously I have now, but that routine, I couldn't sit there. I had to break that routine because it wasn't a routine. It wasn't even, I wasn't hungry. Yeah. But it becomes routine. You have to change it's yeah it's subconscious but now that's yeah. easy and i bet the first like the first week you did that you were like oh, i want to sit in that chair and drink that and now you're like i doesn't even cross my mind because like, i don't do that it's yeah, not it's not what i do that's what i said that's not me i'm not mm. that person anymore. yeah and that's what people yeah there's a great book power of habit by charles duhigg and and basically it gets you to understand your own brain and anything that's subconscious needs conscious effort to change. When you look at, for example, driving a car, when you first learn to drive a car, it's like indicator, brake, everything. Now, most people who drive here have done, you get to your destination, you don't even know how you got there. And it's because now a lot of that becomes subconscious. But also, when you're driving a car and I'm asking you maths questions like three plus three, you're not going to be thinking of it and crash your car. I can't even do push-ups and... Uh... <laughs> I was awful. I was like, push ups <laughs> But it's just understanding that your brain uses different things to do different things. And what we're trying to do is get you to drive a car with your nutrition and training. We want you to get, oh, fuck, I've got abs. I don't know how I've got them. Because it is possible if you do it for long enough consistently. And most importantly, you get a reward from what you're doing and you get enjoyment out of it. You know, it's easy to go for like a run or for a walk, especially when you feel great afterwards. 
and then suddenly see that you've lost £10 in three months from doing it because it's like, why wouldn't I keep doing this? I fucking love it and I'm £10 lighter. Um, and that's where people go wrong with their nutrition training. They get a result from something that was horrendous. They're like, oh, I went on a treadmill four times, 45 minutes, four times a week and lost £10. And now I've put £10 on. Are well, you that's gonna... the only way I could ever lose it again is to do that again. And I, honestly, I, I, I'm walking and there's a running club and the face is on that running club. <laughs> I'm like, just like, and they're looking at me like, why is he walking like walking? You need to run. I'm like, you fucking don't. Because imagine doing four horrible runs and then jumping on the scale and then you've gained a pound. You'd be like, because you, you're doing something that's not enjoyable and then to not get a result from it um, because you're not looking at all the variables. You're not looking at that as a tool, not as the absolute solution for your weight loss goals, which a lot of people are. And they work well because it's like, how many calories can we, ex can we burn? Which is one tool, but if you're not looking at anything else, it's going to be a huge problem when you stop doing it. Or if you're it. not looking at the other side of the equation that running makes me eat more because I have that, oh, I've burnt, I've burnt off my dinner, I can have a little bit more. And that actually, you know, and it doesn't help that I've read numerous articles that are like, exercise is bad for fat loss. And you're like, oh. And, uh, and, it, and the reason behind that is that there's some evidence that shows that exercising can increase hunger in some people. The amount of triathletes in the, I know that have the worst diets in the world. and they Well, yeah, because like, they can get away with... No, but I'll tell you what. I am so, I'm so unhealthy when I do my um, mad endurance events because I burn four to 5,000 calories a session. And then I go home and I'm like, oh, I can have like six beers, pizza and stuff like that. I'm just like, well, because you, have you ever, like, you, can you imagine trying to eat No, Jamie, six... nobody here has tried to eat <laughs> that many calories. But yeah, I everyone's it, like, like, poor you, Jamie, yeah, poor yeah. you. When you see Michael Phelps and it's like, yeah. why would he be eating that? And imagine trying to get that in from exactly. healthy foods. I like, have. I did a YouTube oh. video. <laughs> what, chicken and rice? No, I tried to eat 12,000 calories of healthy food like oh, Michael God. Phelps. And failed miserably. And um, just the sheer volume, if you're trying to like move I, around. I, um, yeah, so I did it all with healthy food, 12,000 calories. And there was one minute which I had just stare and face the wall because I couldn't breathe. And I, I think if I moved, I was going to throw up. So I was just like, oh my God. it was horrible. I, I had two packs of Tilda rice and 300 grams of chicken and then broccoli on top. After eating, you know, those, um, I forgot what they're called now. Those bagels, those cinnamon bagels. Bagels, yeah. That's yeah. what I yeah. <laughs> But six of those with peanut with three hundred grams of peanut butter on. Six. Six, yeah. Three hundred grams, that's like size job. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. We try to get twelve thousand calories down for the day and it was just like I got to a stage where I gave myself a cut off at ten PM and uh I was having to run down the shop trying to find sticks of butter and that because I needed to get two thousand more calories in. I just I I was I'm done. The actual videos on YouTube, it's just like I just done. Just could not. Mm. Like I was just. And like, if you're trying to train X hours a day on top of all that, and so you kind of, I yeah. guess, you can understand why, like Tour de France athletes or Michael Phelps has what yeah. would be deemed as like a poor diet, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's an athlete. Look at his body." And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and that it can mask a lot of things. You know, like you can get away with a lot more, but they're not very good choices because you have no other choice but to get them in if you want to get the calories back. You know, I used to do the sled push there with a red velvet cheesecake. It was amazing, but the way, the way that my mentality worked was I could eat all the calories within that training period so I didn't have to try and catch up with it, and that worked really, really well, actually. What, while you were pushing 
Yeah, so I used to ha set up like this. This this used to be full with food, um, and I used to just push it for eight Do you hours. The one thing and I don't envy about having to eat that much is just the sheer cost of. Like, oh, no, 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 that's think, the best thing. Oh, a thing of Shit bagels. food is cheap. No, but <laughs> even like if you're eating six bagels at yeah, time, yeah, like yeah. that would last you a week. Like normally a pack of bagels would last you basically a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And now it's one day's food. So yeah. Like, yeah. Do you want to spend it on that? Like, no. There's so much more stuff that you could buy. That's what we were talking about. And then he, he talks to me about how many calories he's got left at 7 o'clock in the evening. And I'm like, where the fuck Yeah, I'm off to burn that many calories, though. Yeah, really has left what I have in today. I'm conscious of Emma again because she's got a, her train at half, is it half three? Yeah. Um, any other quick questions at all? Um, so about to get a new one. Yeah, um, there's gonna be new ones. Plus, I'm filming two, two to four workouts a week, home ones, for my new Facebook subscription site. So I'm gonna be posting some into the unit section of the group as well for people to do. So uh, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of new home workouts. <laughs> I can't promise I'll be changed by tomorrow, but there will be a new one. There will, and there will week. be burpees. <laughs> and knowing me, there will be burpees. Ladies, I just want to say thank you ever so much for coming down and um, giving us your Sunday. We had a lot of fun, and it's uh, yeah. And the power hour was amazing because I'm sure half of you were like, I can do that, even halfway through thinking, yeah, I can do that. But yeah, yeah, I think I looked up back then and I was like. What? But, but I, the been, fact that it's the group and like yeah. no one was going to stop because if they were like someone would have got them going again and I think that's a huge thing that just like community feel and hopefully we can like be like that online as well and yeah and um this will be kind of last time train with Joe will be in here um but the the cool thing about that is I'm already thinking of ideas to do kind of pop up pop up power hours. Who's signed up to do the Wild Mud Run in April? Who's hands up? No one. Who's Wait, coming to do it? It is fun. Uh, so I, 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 I did it in the Midlands. So it's kind of a central. Oh, but there's like what is it? Seventy. Right. Okay. It's so it's not running. There's it's not seven, running. I would. How if you've never done an obstacle course race? There's lots of people doing it, and it's very stop start and queues. So, and it's a team thing. Like, it's, and it's not a like team we'd be event. like, oh well, see you later. <laughs> Try, trust, like, if you're, if, and I say it from my, if, if you're not wanting to do it because it scares the shit out of you, that means you, you should do it. it. I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it was a group of 10k, I was like, 5k, yeah, I could do. What are you saying, 10k? Um, or 8 August, April the 7th, I think 6th or 7th is on the Saturday in Midlands. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there.
Sometimes I don't. I think yeah. I mean, I used to run 